0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and joining us today is uh, Dr. John Frame, Professor of Systematic Theology and Philosophy at Reformed Theological Seminary. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Frame.
1: Good to be with you, Kevin, and with your listeners.
0: Well, our, uh, our mission here, as we say at the Basic Bible Podcast, is to bring theology from the classroom to the living room. And today, I mean, we're we're talking with, of course, a uh, professor at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary, also uh, previous to that at Westminster. So we're talking to the professor of professors here, so to speak. Um, and I'm kind of talking from classroom to classroom. I'm here in in my school classroom, and so I'm I'm excited to talk with you, Doctor Frame. And we're going to be talking about a subject I know that you're passionate about, and that's the field of apologetics. So maybe just start off with defining what is apologetics
1: well uh we take our cue from first peter 315 which uh exhorts christians to be ready to uh give answers to people who uh, uh ask us a reason for the hope that is in us and uh that's what apologetics is it's basically part of evangelism it's uh, when we get to talking with uh, non-Christians or with Christians who are having problems with their faith and they ask us questions uh, uh, they ask us to give reasons uh, for the hope that is in us and uh, apologetics is that discipline that teaches uh, students how to do that
0: And so we're talking about apologetics. There are two uh, basic approaches to that, a classical approach and a presuppositional approach. And so we're going to talk specifically about presuppositional apologetics today. Uh, And that seems like a a big word to chew on for many of our listeners. So maybe define what do we mean by presuppositional apologetics?
1: Uh, Kevin, presuppositional simply uh means that we appeal uh very explicitly and strongly to uh our basic faith, our basic convictions and uh this would seem like an obvious thing uh, of course, Christians always uh uh base what they do and what they say on the word of god uh, but uh often you know people talk as though. Uh, we should turn to the Word of God, we should turn to our presuppositions, we should turn to our faith uh, when we're dealing with matters of worship or when we're dealing with matters of ethics. But they don't think much about uh, uh, what we do when we consider intellectual issues or when we're talking to unbelievers or when we're trying to come up with reasons And the presuppositional apologist is somebody who says, you know, even when we're talking about the intellectual area, even when we're talking about knowing, even when we're trying to give answers to people's questions, even there, uh, we uh, uh, we, we must rely primarily on the Word of God as our standard, as our criterion. Uh, as uh, the uh, uh, authority which uh, gives us the answers that we're looking for.
0: So the opposite of that are those who would try to use some sort of evidence or philosophical reasoning to establish the faith. So instead of starting off with scripture, they would say, all right, let's start off on maybe some neutral territory and agree upon... Uh, markers that would establish truth. And so, therefore, we're going to look at these evidences or these reasons and then establish that Scripture is true, and then based upon Scripture, we can then turn to um, faith in Christ. So what is wrong with that approach?
1: Well, there's a lot that's right about it. Uh, Certainly, we do. Uh, There's nothing wrong with coming up with evidences uh, Paul the Apostle uh, referred to Jesus' resurrection as an evidence of uh, uh, the fact that Jesus was our uh, Lord and Savior. Uh, there are a lot of things in the Bible that mention evidences, but the question is, uh, what is the authority for evaluating evidences when somebody brings up evidences uh, and he claims that those evidence has proved something uh, well uh, you know sometimes uh, people do that uh, uh, and it's uh, true and valuable other times people do that kind of thing and they're really lying or they're giving a, a false uh, uh, basis and so we need to think about that in, in philosophy it's called epistemology that is right. the study of knowledge and we have to uh, evaluate evidences as to whether they're good or bad and uh, uh, I maintain as a presuppositionalist I maintain that for a Christian uh, ultimately uh, our standard of evaluation is the word of God Mm. now people who aren't presuppositionalists say well uh, you don't have to consult the Bible for that kind of thing you can just uh, uh, start uh, uh, where uh, other philosophers start, uh, where other uh, scientists start. Uh, they sometimes say that it would be wrong to uh, bring the Bible into a conversation with a non-Christian because, of course, non-Christians don't uh, believe the Bible. But uh, uh, the Christian, of course, uh, recognizes that uh, that this complicates the discussion. But uh, ultimately, we have to uh, uh, point to the Scriptures as the final authority. And if we need to argue about that, of course, we'll argue about
0: that. Yeah, when we're starting off with Scripture, uh, one of the things that... Uh, in, in this debate against whether it's evidentialism or classic or uh, presuppositional apologetics is that it seems odd to me to walk into battle without my greatest weapon, which would be the Word of God. It's, it's the Word of God Absolutely. that convicts the heart. Um, I, I know my winsome personality or my superior intellect – uh, and a lot of listeners are laughing at that suggestion that I have a superior intellect. Um, but that's, you know, the ability to win an argument is not the same thing as the ability to convert the soul, which is only uh, the power of the Word of God. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, when I'm thinking about Paul, um, when we talk about scriptures to think about. And we we already mentioned 1 Peter 3.15. Uh, but I think about Paul on on Mars hill. Uh could you describe maybe how how did he approach uh this cuz he doesn't seem to say I I'm going to start off on neutral ground and let's reason our way but he seems to be very um implicit with his gospel presentation there to these different philosophers who have in a sense rejected the uh the knowledge that all men have according to Romans 1.
1: Yes, well uh I've got my Bible right in front of me here, and I'm turning to Acts (laughs) chapter 17, and uh, here's Paul addressing uh, uh, some philosophers in the the city of Athens who uh, uh, like to uh, sit around talking about new things, new ideas. So you can imagine (laughs)
0: that in a coffee shop today with a guy with skinny jeans, a plaid shirt, and you know, thick glasses or whatever with this latte, but go ahead, sorry.
1: Sure. Well, that's a, uh, yeah, uh, Mars Hill was the uh, coffee house of ancient uh, Athens. And here Paul is wandering into this discussion. And uh, you know, he says, Well, I was walking around in Athens and I saw all these statues. And uh, uh, one of them uh, is a statue to an unknown god. And Paul says, Well,. Uh, you know, you you admit that uh, there's one of these gods, evidently a very important one, whom you don't know. And so, uh, I know a god uh, very well who uh, I'd like to pre- mm. preach to you. So uh, 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 that would set up a really good dialogue. You mm. admit your ignorance about something, <laughs> and I claim to know something about that that being. So, Paul. Uh, talks about this. He says uh, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Uh, so none of these statues really <laughs> represents the true God, uh, nor is he served by men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So then he goes on talks about how God made man to live on all the face of the earth, uh, and uh, he intended that uh, uh, mankind should seek God, feel their way toward him, and find him, although he's not really far from any of us. And uh, so he says, being God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, Uh, But God is willing to uh, uh, forgive that ignorance, and remember, they had admitted how ignorant they were. Uh, He offers them forgiveness. God overlooked this, but now he commands everyone to repent. That's turn away from sin, turn away from unbelief, because he has fixed a day on which he will, will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, that's Jesus. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So Paul is uh, giving them a whole different way of thinking. He's, he's saying that when you think about religion and God, you need to have a different mind, a, a new mind. Elsewhere he calls it the mind of Christ. And uh he says you can't just begin by by thinking the way you've always been thinking or thinking the way people all over the world think about their religion. You need to uh, uh, be willing to be shaken up uh, by and it's interesting, he brings in new evidence (laughs) to shake up their minds. He tells them this man has uh, been risen from the dead and uh, of course that uh, doesn't uh, impress these hearers very much initially, but uh, uh, Paul is willing to stay around a while and talk to them some more, and there are a few people who are converted through this. But uh, Paul immediately uh, points to Jesus Christ as the one who uh, disrupts their old way of thinking and proposes a new way of thinking mm. about life and thinking about death and thinking about creation and where we come from and all of these uh, philosophical questions, mm. apologetic questions. And so uh, I would say that Paul is uh, uh, a presuppositional mm. apologist here. He doesn't... Uh, talk about presuppositions, but uh, uh, he really uh, uh, says that we need to think differently at a very basic level, and he proposes, uh, he says that Jesus Christ is the one who can uh, uh, show us how to uh, understand God and how to understand the the creation.
0: Well, transitioning to our next section about dangers to avoid, One of the major objections to presuppositional apologetics raised by folks like R.C. Sproul and others is that this is just, it's circular reasoning. How would you respond to that?
1: Well, uh, let's understand what circular reasoning is. Circular reasoning is uh, uh, when I say that... uh, uh, the government ought to be socialistic and somebody asks me why and I say well because it ought to be socialistic <laughs> that would be a very narrow circle or if I say it's socialistic then uh, some uh, somebody asks me why and I say well because the government ought to take from the rich and give to the poor and that's just another way of saying socialism he asks me why I believe in socialism and I say because socialism is true and that's a circular argument where you uh, take your conclusion and uh, make that one of your premises in in your argument and uh, uh, of course uh, that's a logical fallacy but we have to be careful here, we have to understand that uh, Uh, In one sense, everybody argues in a circle, because, uh, you know, if uh, I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and we ought to start from there, and the person I'm talking to denies that, he says the Bible is not the Word of God, Uh, we have to uh, proceed from human reason alone. Well, he says that my thinking is circular because I keep going back to the Bible. I say his thinking is circular because he keeps going back to uh, the authority of uh, uh, of uh, uh, mere human reason. Right. And uh, so, uh, in one sense, everybody thinks in a circle because we all have to have a uh, standard. We have to have a criterion. We have to have a place where we begin. And uh, as the argument goes back and forth, uh, at some point, everybody retreats uh, to his ultimate authority. Mm. Uh, somebody asks me why I believe A, and I give him B, and then why do I believe B, and I give him C, and why do I believe C? Well, I give him D. And ultimately, Uh, Why do I believe D? Why do I believe L or M or X? Uh, Because I believe the Bible, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So that, uh, and he says that's circular. Well, I do the same for him, and he eventually uh, gets back to uh, what he thinks is uh, pure human reason. Mm. So uh, in both cases, uh, we might be accused of circularity, and, uh, uh, much more can be said about that, but we have to be careful about accusing one another of circularity. I think, uh, uh circularity of a certain kind, and I, I think that, uh, I, I'm not saying that circularity is always good, because there are some arguments, like, uh, the one I mentioned about socialism a moment ago, there are some arguments that are circular that are not good arguments. But if you're talking about the necessity of uh, pointing to your fundamental authority, uh, the foundation of your reasoning, uh, we all have to do that. Believers and unbelievers, Christians and uh, non-Christians, philosophers, and uh, everybody has to do that uh, in order to reason at all.
0: Mm. Uh, Another question before we move on to our next section. Uh, You mentioned at the beginning that there is uh, classical apologetics. There are some valid or or, or some good aspects of that. So is there a role at all for classical apologetics or or presenting evidence?
1: Well, that depends on what you mean by classical apologetics. If uh, you mean by classical apologetics, a... uh, rejection of presuppositionalism, then I would say no. (laughs) Right? Uh, There's no role for classical apologetics at all. But if by classical apologetics you mean unapologetics that uh, appeals to reason and argument, uh, as I've said a little bit earlier, I I think that's uh, perfectly okay. I think that uh, the Bible appeals to evidences. Uh, Sometimes the Bible... uh, Offers arguments, you know. Look through the Book of Romans, for example, and Paul is always saying uh, uh, this, and then therefore that, and therefore that, and so on. I mean, Paul is engaging in argument. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with arguments, and there's nothing wrong with evidence. But uh, as I indicated before, the issue is. Uh, What is the basis of the evidences? How do we evaluate the evidences? What's the basis for the arguments? What are the foundational premises that we use in the arguments? And, uh, of course, uh, that leads me back to talk about presuppositions. The foundational basis is just another name for the presupposition. So... uh, if uh, there's nothing wrong with using evidences or argument, and if that's what classical apologetics is then I am a classical apologist, but uh, uh, if uh, uh, classical apologetics is uh, uh, defined as uh, rejecting presuppositionalism then uh, I think it's uh, classical apologetics is wrong and it's just plain unscriptural
0: in your book, Apologetics to the Glory of God in chapter nine you you give a a sample conversation of what it 's like to see this in real life um, to see a conversation between a skeptic and a christian and and how you actually use this in uh, a conversation my My question then to you when it comes to our our application section, what advice would you give to somebody? Uh, who's just kind of starting out in this area, but maybe over a family meal, Uncle Joe brings up his objections to Christianity, or a friend confides in you some doubts he has. What practical advice or steps would you give someone in those situations?
1: Well, the first thing is to listen. We have to try to understand what the other person is saying and uh, we often get uh, waylaid because we don't understand the other person or the other person doesn't understand us. So uh uh when we start listening, we find that there are a whole lot of different kinds of arguments that people bring. If somebody says that uh, there's a contradiction in the Bible, uh well, uh we ought to go to the Bible. For example, and in Galatians, at one point, it says uh, 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 everyone should bear his own burden, and a few verses apart from that, it says uh, uh, we ought to bear one another's burdens. Mm. And uh, somebody brings that to you and says, well, isn't that a contradiction? Well, you got to go to Galatians and read that and see it in context mm. and see what it's saying. There's no contradiction between uh, uh, bearing one another's burdens, helping other people to uh, live their lives, and on the other hand, the fact that we all have to bear our own burden before the judgment seat of God. So uh, there's no contradiction there, but uh, you, you have to go to the passage of the Bible and read it together and try to understand it. And if you don't understand it, maybe you need to consult a commentary or or call uh, uh, another Christian who knows a little bit more. And uh, uh, So that's one kind of issue. Another kind of issue is that uh, maybe somebody has uh, read an article about uh, uh, an archaeological dig that they think... Uh, uh, refutes a historical statement in the Bible and uh, so there uh, you, you need to appeal to some expertise appeal to somebody who's able to uh, resolve that uh, some people uh, think that uh, uh, think that uh, Christianity is not logical uh, we believe in a God who is one but he there are three persons and uh, there we have to go over the logic a little bit. There's no contradiction between having uh, uh, one God, uh, a God who is one in one sense, and a God who is three in a different sense. Uh, so uh, those are all some of the different kinds of uh, objections, but, you know, these arguments can go on uh, uh, I say something, and the other person says something, and I say something back, and so on and so forth. And eventually, uh, we get back to the point that I was mentioning before, that, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, Uncle Joe, or I forget what the name of your uncle was, but the, uh, Uncle Joe, we uh, 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 seem to be on different wavelengths here, and uh, where do you go? What's your supreme authority? Where do you go to resolve uh, uh, your questions? And uh, uh, and then we're into an argument about presuppositions, and uh, uh, everything goes back there, because uh, everything uh, goes back to a question of uh, our basic uh, commitments, our fundamental faith, and that's a wonderful way to uh, introduce uh, what the Bible teaches about God about ourselves made in his image about how we've sinned against him uh, and how we need to repent of sin as Paul told the Athenians in uh, Acts 17 we need to repent of sin and turn to Jesus Christ who is the one who straightens out our mind The the goal in uh, apologetic witness is uh, uh, to bring people to Christ. Uh, uh, Apologetics is part of evangelism.
0: Mm. Well, our our final section here is recommended resources for going a little deeper. Of course, we want to recommend your book, Apologetics to the Glory of God. But Dr. Frame, are there any other books or, or resources you would recommend for people to dig a little deeper?
1: Well, I'm publishing a a couple of other apologetics books probably in the next year. One uh, is called Christianity Considered, which comes from Lexham Press. Uh, Another one uh, I call Nature's Case for God, but Lexham might come up with a different title uh, for it. But uh, those two books will probably be published in the next year or so. Uh, I, there are a lot of books that do a good job. I like anything that Vern Poitras mm. writes. One is called Redeeming Philosophy, which is very good. Uh, I I have myself written a history of Western philosophy. Mm. It's called the uh, uh, History of Western Philosophy and Theology, which is really a big book. It's a it's about uh, 700 pages and uh, uh that'll that'll keep you going for a while mm-hmm. but, but it's uh it's presuppositional and it tries to go very deeply uh much more deeply than we've been able to hmm. do here It right. uh, tries to go very deeply into uh, philosophers like Plato and Kant and Hegel and, and uh, Bertrand Russell and, and so on down to the present day uh, both Christian and non-Christian thinkers uh, anything that you can get uh, written by Cornelius Van Til, he was my teacher uh, the book called The Defense of the Faith by Van Til is certainly very helpful uh, and there there are many books that are written in that tradition, which I would recommend to uh, uh, to people who want to get into apologetics.
0: And you've written yourself on on Van Til as well, an analyst of his thought I've got here. Um, another book I would recommend is Every Thought Captive by Richard L. Pratt, um, which I understand, I believe he was one of your students at, at one point.
1: Right, uh, yeah, Rich was one of my students, and I, I think that's a great book, it's, uh, it's kind of an introductory right. piece, uh, Rich wrote that when he was a pastor, and uh, was actually trying to teach high school students mm. how to uh, witness for Christ, and uh, he does a very good job there. Yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's a very short book, it's very easy to understand, and, and it covers the main issues. Uh, well, Dr, uh, Dr. Frame, thank you so much for taking time and, and joining us here on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me on, Kevin.
0: Well, I want to thank all of you for listening, and don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org, and we'll have links to these books and others uh, on the website as well as where you can also find out more about Dr. Frame and on his website and some other materials that you can get a hold of. So thank you very much for joining us. Again, you can join us on Twitter as well at Basic basicbiblepo- Biblecast. Uh, so thank you for joining us, and, and we'll see you again next week.